Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. My dear cardio nerds, this is Amit Goyal. Join us on a new adventure as we journey through the maze of clinical practice guidelines. In this series, Decipher the Guidelines, we will take a deep dive into the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines, focusing on similarities and differences from the American Guidelines. This is a multidisciplinary collaboration between the CardiNerds, the ACC Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Section, the National Lipid Association, and the Preventive Cardiovascular Nurse Association, developed with a mentorship from Dr. Eugene Yang. And remember, CardioNerds is a fellow-founded, independent educational platform. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. Do be a nerd and spread the word on social media and help others find us by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. And hey, hope you're enjoying the intro music, custom mixed for CardioNerds by student doctor Hirsch Elhens, a.k.a. DJ Elhens, medical student at USC and CardioNerds Academy intern of House Thomas. And with that, it's time to get nerdy. The following question refers to Section 4.9 of the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines. The question is asked by student Dr. Christian Fabrog anderson answered first by UCSD fellow Dr. Patrick Ascarate, and then by expert faculty Dr. Melissa Tracy. Dr. Tracy is a preventive cardiologist, former director of the echocardiography lab, director of cardiac rehabilitation, and the solid organ transplant cardiologist at Rush University. Christian, let's hear your question. Thanks, Amit. Yeah, I came across a really interesting question about GI bleeds in patients on dual antiplatelet therapy, but I think I need a little bit of help figuring out the answer. Here it is. A 74-year-old man with a history of hypertension, chronic kidney disease, and gastroesophageal reflux presents with chest pain and is found to have an NSTEMI due to an obstructive lesion in the proximal LAD. One drug-eluting stent is placed, and he is started on dual antiplatelet therapy with aspirin and clopidogrel. He's concerned about the risk of bleeding from his gastrointestinal tract. What would you recommend to reduce his risk of bleeding? A. Lansoprazole, a proton pump inhibitor. B. Famotidine, a histamine 2 blocker. C. Calcium carbonate, an antacid. Or D. None, proton pump inhibitors are contraindicated. Patrick, do you think you could help us out with this? Hey, Christian, I certainly can. I think it's a very interesting question and something I believe the ESC touched on in their latest recommendations. The answer in this case is A, lansoprazole, a proton pump inhibitor. And here's why. Currently, the ESC actually recommends that patients at high risk for GI bleeding who are receiving antiplatelet therapy take proton pump inhibitors. This is a class one recommendation with level A evidence. High risk for bleeding includes patients who are 65 or older, have a history of peptic ulcer disease, H. pylori infection, dyspepsia or GERD symptoms, chronic renal failure, diabetes mellitus, and concomitant use of other antiplatelet agents, anticoagulants, NSAIDs, or steroids. It's important to note that co-administration of certain proton pump inhibitors that specifically inhibit the CYP2C19, including omeprazole or SOMeprazole, may reduce the pharmacodynamic response to clopidogrel. Although this interaction has not been shown to affect the risk of ischemic events, co-administration of omeprazole with clopidogrel is not recommended. Instead, one may use lansoprazole, as was the answer in this case. So the main takeaway from this question is that in patients with high GI bleeding risk who are receiving antiplatelet therapy, PPIs are recommended, 
But one should remember the type of PPI that is safer to use, which in this case is lansoprazole and not omeprazole or esomeprazole, which may reduce the efficacy of clopidogrel. Today, we have an expert, Dr. Tracy, who can help clarify some of these recommendations and give us maybe her approach to initiating PPIs and reducing GI bleeding risk for these sorts of patients. Additionally, I think it would be interesting to discuss the side effects of chronic PPI use, as well as these possible interactions with clopidogrel. I think as years have gone on, we learned uh, about the side effects and the risks of PPIs. And it is interesting to think if H2 blockers would be a reasonable alternative. So with that in mind, I'll turn it over to Dr. Tracy for additional insight. Patrick, thank you so much. This has been a very complex area and it dates back several years, but there was a published meta-analysis in 2017, which included 84,729 patients for which 29,235 were on PPIs and 55,494 were on non-PPIs. The combined use of clopidogrel with PPIs, specifically omeprazole, was associated with significantly higher adverse cardiovascular events, with an increase in major adverse cardiovascular events, stent thrombosis, myocardial infarction following PCI, Long-term mortality is not statistically significant. The concomitant use of famotidine had no effect on the platelet effect with clopidogrel. PPIs involve the same metabolic pathway, namely the CYP2C19 isoenzyme, with that of Plavix. Because PPIs can act as both inhibitors and substrates of the CYP219, Patients treated with both are vulnerable to reduce effectiveness of clopidogrel, which may result in a higher platelet activity following PCI and resulting in adverse clinical outcomes. Although the European Society of Cardiology recommends a PPI, those are not the same as that recommended by our guidelines. While the evidence that a PPI does not increase the risk of a cardiovascular event was generated with omeprazole, Based on drug-drug interactions with omeprazole or esmeprazole, appear to have the highest propensity for clinically relative interactions. Thus, for this question, the best choice would be A, lesoprazole, a proton pump inhibitor, or you could also use pentaprazole or rabuprazole, which also have lowest effects. In addition, H2 blocker could be used, but I do believe that A would be our best choice. All right, Dr. Tracy, thank you for that wonderful explanation and for going into the differences between the ESC and the AAC guidelines, specifically how it sounds like the ESC, while they do comment on PPI use and recommendation of those ones that do not affect the CYP219 isoenzyme, the AAC guidelines do not include recommendations regarding this. Now, I have one more question because I do worry about the use of PPIs chronically, especially in elderly patients. In most recent years, we have learned that with chronic PPI use, there's increased risk for anemia, osteoporosis, and it can even increase your risk of infection such as C. diff. So I was wondering how you weigh these risks of chronic PPI use versus the benefit of reducing the risk of a GI bleed and if the risk of GI bleed affects your decision in any way. Thank you, Patrick. By my practice, if I start a patient on clopidogrel, I do not start 
either an H2 blocker nor PPI if they have no history of any gastrointestinal issues. If the patient does have a history of some minor gastrointestinal issues, I would be more inclined to start with an H2 blocker like famotidine. If they failed the famotidine or they had a higher risk of GI issues, whether that was gastritis, ulcer, history of GI bleeding, then I would be inclined to use a PPI and I would then use pentoprazole or linzoprazole. Dr. Tracy, Patrick, thank you so much for that super educational conversation. As a medical student, I've seen so many patients with heart disease on dual antiplatelet therapy, but never gave much thought to how a PPI might be affecting or even interacting with their therapy. Thanks again for that awesome pharmacology deep dive and the terrific clinical pearls. 